0: It is exactly 7.41. This is Metro FM Talk. Once again, our hashtag is Metro FM Talk at Metro SA. That is our Twitter handle. We are now joined by Pinda Mangolotti, who is the head of trading at Merit Security as we do our business wrap for today. A very good evening to you, Pinda. Thank you for your time this evening.
1: Hi Tommy. how are
0: you very very well thank you. Perhaps uh, as we start off let's focus on the statement that was made by the Deputy Finance Minister David Masondo um, regarding the issue of worker savings. he says that the government is committed to protecting worker savings. Won't you give us a, a bit of context and, and background regarding that uh, one could assume that it is somehow linked to the issue of prescribed assets which has been uh, quite a hot issue at the moment.
1: Yeah, that's correct. Um, well, in terms of background, that's one of the one of the topical issues now in terms of um, prescribed assets. Um, I guess the first point would be um, would be around uh, would be around certain losses um, that we've seen, um, specifically uh, from the Public Investment Corporation, which is the PIC, which manages um, which manages uh, government employee um, pension funds um including the the including the um the UIF and so forth so from that end basically that referred to um to some investments um which didn't turn out to be all good for the PIC um which resulted in uh, in huge losses in terms of um government employee pensions um some of the examples that we can talk about or um pick at um includes um, the likes of IO Technologies, um, and in fact, um, there is currently now a headline where um, where it says the PIC is in fact um, threatening liquidation of Sekunjalo. This is Dr. Sarve's, um, uh group uh, of of, uh, of companies, uh, which is another investment which uh, which PIC unfortunately made and resulted in huge losses. And the other one, um, again relating to the market is with regards to um, the big losses um, that we saw out of uh, out of a, out, out of Steinoff, um, which um, very little fund managers within the market um, actually um, foresaw the then calamity that um, that um, you know um, played over the past um, two years uh which saw the company losing again billions and billions of uh, um, of uh, of uh, state pensions. So that's that's part one in terms of trying to protect the um the you know the, 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 the employee savings. Um we they're now putting together um a, uh, a a team to strengthen the governance uh within the PIC. Um in fact the latest um announcement is that they they will be they will be announcing the CEO um in the in, in the coming weeks. And also currently um, looking for the uh, for the CIO as well, and also Chief Operating Officer and Chief um, IT as well. And also quite important is the fact that um, they are now talking about um, separating um, duties of CEO and that of CIO, um, as um, they do not want to fall into the um, into the uh, governance issues um, that they saw the past eighteen months and also you mentioned the we mentioned rather um the the um the 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 prescribed assets we at the moment there's two schools of thought. we you have one side of the camp um for such um, initiative as the economy is struggling to one attract um, new investments or offshore investments and also even local companies um, are not investing as such. The economy is unfortunately backtracking. And then you get then the the, the other um, school of thought which says um, this has been um, this exercise was undertaken before, and unfortunately they they, they were not the the whether the the outcomes or the returns um, they were not um, to the satisfaction or, or the desired returns were never achieved. And also um, then the, this particular camp also drawing the fact that this could be, uh, I'm not saying it is, this could be another way of actually um, continuing the looting that we've seen of state resources.
0: So let's look at these two camps, um, and, and I'm quite glad that you kind of separated it that way. Now, the ANC has come out saying that they want um, the issue of prescribed assets to be investigated as a means to stimulate economic growth. They want to avoid getting a loan from the from the IMF. Uh, but what the deputy finance minister has said today, saying that the government is committed to protecting workers' savings, what exactly does that mean? Is, is that a, a hint of how the Finance Ministry is actually viewing the issue of prescribed assets. Will they, meaning the, the Finance Ministry, or will they not in the issue of prescribed assets? What do you make from the statement?
1: Um, I think one can actually draw a conclusion um, that the, the Finance Ministry um, actually does not agree with the NEC or the ANC's um, view in terms of uh, prescribed assets. Um, and again, I mean, it, it, it goes to show um the fact that um over the last couple of months we've seen a a a divided top ANC, and right, and also with the finance ministry um, if you remember a couple of weeks ago or if not a month ago. Where the finance minister released a um, a blueprint of how he sees um, uh, the country reviving the economy, and fast-forwarded to three days later, and then there was a big then um, fight internally within the AMC, which uh, which said that they were um, not consulted in terms of that. Uh, so again, that. Uh, that that sort of like um gives us a picture right in terms of that the finance ministry they have a mandate and they're pushing ahead with that mandate and if you look at what then the ruling party has um, it's actually contrary to what the other camp is doing. So basically, there is a friction at all. There's, these two camps are actually driving in two separate directions. And, uh, from the, from the statement from the, from the Deputy Finance uh, Minister, um, from where I'm sitting anyway, um, it looks like they are not entertaining that. Uh, if anything, they are, uh, they are pushing ahead with the blueprint that they published a couple of weeks ago, as I've said.
0: Let's focus on some of our other top stories today. As far as EOH is concerned, EOH says that it will now focus on reducing debt and improving governance and blacklisting 50 enterprise development partners. Now, now quite a big story uh, in, in the industry. Tell us a little bit more about this as well as what the aftermath will be for EOH.
1: Okay. Um, so basically, EOH, you know, after um, mid-July this year, after having postponed um the uh financial results um for twenty nineteen, they finally released those results. Um today reason they had um they had um uh, postponed the release of these results was due to an internal investigation by ENS um which found that the there was um a tune of one point two billion Rands uh, which was um which was not um, or otherwise was as a result of fraud. And that was pinpointed to, um, you know, to within EOH's um, public sector arm of the, um, of the company. Right. So the results came out today. Um, where The company um, reported top-line revenue was down about 2 point, um, 2.8%, but that's not where the, the numbers get scary. Um, where the numbers get scary basically is with regards to the net asset value where where the company lost a tune of T billion plus um from twenty eighteen in, in into this uh financial year with now standing at with the net asset value standing at one point nine five um seven billion Rand. And also if you look at the headline loss that the company has reported um of sixteen Rand and eighty one cent that's per share, um if you compare this to the twenty eighteen numbers. Um, they had reported a a five fifty or five 46, uh, um, um, earnings forty uh, six for that particular year so headline loss of about two hundred plus percent so that's quite scary for 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 the company um reason behind these declines again is there were a lot of write downs specifically this year um, if you tally up those write downs including the 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 reports uh, from ens um, that identified that 1.2 billion, or rather the restated number of about 935 million rand, um, is that 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 number um, rounds up to about 4 billion rand, mm. uh, which is quite big for the company. Uh, and if you add that to what we saw um, the 2018 numbers, which were restated, resulting into a 2 billion rand write down, that basically in the past 24. Um, months, the company has written down something over 6 billion rands. So it's quite scary for the company. Um, and just to focus on the ENS report or the restated ENS report, out of that initial 1.2 billion rand they had identified, the company has now found, or ENS has found that, um, about 300 million rands actually was for valid work, um, that was done within the period. However, living about, as I've said, something like 900 plus mm-hmm, million rand. Yeah, we no, yeah. have 665 is still... million. That one was for uh, fraudulent um, uh, contracts, or rather, contracts were not in working place. 90 million rand was for enterprise de- development loans, which, um, according to the report, those are not going to be paid out. And also a whopping 180 million rand. Pinda what um, we're going to, to do is
0: Pinda, what we're going to do is take a quick break and we'll continue with some of the top stories just after this. It is exactly 7:53 on Metro FM I'm Taimingubeni sitting in for Ayabonga We are focusing on our business wrap today the day's top stories with Pinda Mangoloti. Now just before the break Pinda we were rounding up the issue of EH um, of EOH and the investigations that were were done by by ENS. but just finally um, the fact that the board members the entire board has apparently been disbanded. So
1: um
0: Yes, I was saying as far as EOH is concerned and turning uh, their strategy around and, and, and turning their fate around, that the entire board has been disbanded?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Um, I mean, um, the, the, the new CEO and the new team in place, um, they, they're fairly new uh, within the company. Um, and they were appointed specifically for, for, for that reason. Um, because if, if one runs back to the beginning of the year, uh, when these whole investigations were coming out, um, the company lost um, the Microsoft um, contract, which is a huge contract for them. Uh, and the team brought in was then to, um, one, um, clean up the company and also implement the turnaround strategy. Um, look. It's, it's still a long way to, to go as yet, because if one looks at the, the results which were uh, we presented today, there is another worrying factor, unfortunately, for EOH, um, is the qualified audit um, from their auditors, um, which is something that um, is probably going to continue to haunt the company um, going forward, forward uh, but we'll see what happens.
0: And uh, our next story that I found uh, quite interesting and, and very bold, if I might add, is the one concerning the Mara Group. I mean, it's only 10 days ago, really, within 10 days of opening um, their, their first factory in, in Kigali. They are now going to be opening another smartphone manufacturing plant, but this time right here in Durban. Talk us through that.
1: Yeah, our very own Durban, hey?
0: Our very um, own background. It's so <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so, so another um, good, um, so good story. Um, if one remembers, this was part of the investment drive um, which was held here in Johannesburg last year where Mara had um, promised that they will open a a plant in Devon and in the coming days we'll see the unveiling of that. And as you said in your intro now, this is the second one. The other one was opened in Rwanda. Um, So the company, like I said, barely a year um, after promising and then now they are now living up to that. And of the 200 million US dollars that they had promised to invest um, within these two plants, they've done that, and this is going to um, this is going to um, I guess create um, quite a number of jobs, specifically within the tech sector. Um, if one reads the report, uh, we'll get about 1,500 of those jobs, and the company again, this is the first for Africa where we will see a manufacturing and assembly um, of such smartphones. Specifically, with the Mara X and the Mara Z, which are which are the the, the company's, um flagship uh, smartphones, which will be sold uh, within the sub-Saharan um, sub-Saharan region. Right. and I think Ayabonga and uh, and uh, and Bright last week they actually did cover this uh, this story quite extensively in as far as the In terms of competition, because if you look at South Africa i'm um, just zoning in in south africa um there there will be quite a lot of uh, or rather there's quite a lot of competition specifically from the likes of samsung um and the likes of Huawei, which have introduced smartphones which are which are more budget um compared to to what the the Mara x and the mara z will be coming in at. Um, in terms of in terms of their pricing uh, within the market, but um, like I said, a full good story I'd one for both Durban um, and South Africa, and also for the region because um, South Africa will be producing these um, smartphones for the local market and also for the export um, market, specifically the sub-Saharan region.
0: Now now my understanding is that you know, we do have other mobile phone facilities on on the continent but a lot of these actually operate as assembly plants and the big differentiator with this one is the fact that you know instead of the made in China that we're so used to we are finally going to have a made in Africa smartphone and, and this is for the first time so that really ought to be commended.
1: Yeah absolutely um, I agree with you um, I mean even even the even the the big um global players uh, most of their most of their components um, are actually not manufactured in the primary market. An um, example will be Apple. Probably about 80% of their components are manufactured uh, are manufactured in China. Uh, so that for that that speaks volumes. One for the for, for, for the African continent, where we'll have our own um smartphones which will be manufactured and assembled and also distributed uh within the continent. So it's uh, it's it's it, it, it's commendable. Um, like I said, I agree with you. Um let's hope uh, more will follow uh, in as far as um serving investments by other companies uh, Would we'll see the continent as uh, as the next step in terms of their growth. Mm.
0: Thank you, Pinda. And, and it's also quite notable as well that this is a 1.5 billion rand smartphone factory that will be opened up in Durban. And the Maru Group is a Durban-based uh, company. Now, the final story that I'd like us to to focus on is um, an, what, what I find quite innovative, really, and it's one of projecting into the future. And the the Hyundai Motor Group is certainly, you know, moving us forward in that. Department. Department. They say they plan to invest what thirty-five billion dollars in self-driving vehicle technology, and all of this is to be, happen uh, by twenty twenty-five. Um, that's,
1: um, that's a that's a rather um short time period to to do that. I mean, like the it's the reason five that I would years. jump it's into five, that.
0: Years. Oh. It's five years. I mean, we're almost into twenty twenty. So yeah, if I'm- by twenty twenty-five we have these self-driving vehicles, well, count me in.
1: <laughs> well i i think i, I look I, I don't want to sound like a pessimist here, uh, but I think it's it's going to take a bit longer than that um reason for that is that currently the craze is electric vehicles um and with that um South Korea and even Hyundai they do not even feature in terms of one the top ten manufacturers um, manufacturers right, of the um, of such vehicles, and also um, in terms of uh, in terms of um, uh, what car market as well all right, so this is certainly a huge um, a huge investment. Um, I guess one would um, put down such capital if you have your own government also backing the autonomous uh autonomous um, driving right, or self driving market within that uh, within that economy right, as they see that as the you know as, as as a way to revive their economy um going forward um but if you look at um, if you look at the the you know the the current players within that um within that space um the likes of general motors um who quite recently they actually had to put on hold um their ambitions in terms of rolling out um self driving cars, um all because um currently the technology is expensive, unfortunately. Um and also that in in terms of the infrastructure needed um for you know for such vehicles to be rolled out to the mass market, um it's still sort of like lagging. Um as I've said, um currently the craze is on electric vehicles. Um, We, um, I mean, if one reads um, the latest report, I think it was 2018 report, which reported that particular market grew by about 2 million vehicles to about 5.08 million vehicles globally, and China and Norway leading that, and then you also have Europe and also the U.S.,
0: I mean, uh, I, I do understand your your sense of of being slightly pessimistic uh, considering these timelines, uh, because as far as General Motors are concerned, their target was actually this year, twenty nineteen, and so uh, it's coming and it's going.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, again, it goes back to it goes back to um, you know the the, the cost issue. Um, if you look at the uh, if you look at the current car manufacturers which are embarking on self driving. Um, technology is the fact that most of these companies actually do not own the technology um, that is needed um to enable such a vehicle to you know to to perform such tasks. right uh, so what they have to do is um over and above trying to um trying to roll out um these cars in the in the in the factory shop, they still have to go out there and purchase um these uh these technologies like um navigation, um, like um uh you know, what uh what's this one uh, sorry i'm i'm just forgetting that so basically most of these companies they still have to um put out quite a lot of money in terms of uh in terms of getting these vehicles out and i think that's the other principal reason why um uh, general motors um put their ambitions on hold um while the you know the the likes of Volkswagen the likes of Baidu um from 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 China um those are still going ahead and these are really big market players uh, when it comes to the global um car sector um, compared to, um, to, I wouldn't really call it a relatively new in terms of Hyundai, but it's, it's, it's a small player. Um, I mean, if you, if you recall what I said earlier, that, um, uh, one South Korea does not feature in terms of, um, the biggest car market, um, globally and also Hyundai, right, as a manufacturer as well does not feature within that, um, let's say top ten um of the you know of the companies that are rolling out um, um, these cars of the future, mm. so to speak
0: and and you know pinda, when you look at uh, technology and and development, when you stand on the shoulders of a giant and others have gone ahead of you, then you are in the very favorable position of not necessarily having to reinvent the wheel of not having to make the same mistakes again, so who knows if there may be some sort of insider information that they might have gleaned from the likes of uh, general motors but that remains to be seen i guess we'll leave it at that uh, for this evening pinda
1: yes um and thank you for inviting
0: me it's been awesome thank you so much that's pinda Mangolotti, head of trading at merit security and that was our business wrap for the day